Welcome to another episode of the podcast. My name is Stan. I am writing solo today. Oliver will not be participating. He will most likely be participating on another conversation we will have most likely tonight. Podcast episode 003, my thoughts on liberty and the human desire for freedom. This was something that I was just kind of thinking about. Um, not really doing any research on it. However, it's just, it's all opinion based and it's just kind of my interpretation of liberty and how contagious it is, I think, in my opinion, and how it's kind of embedded in everyone's DNA in a way or mindset. Because we all want to be free people. We all want to do things in life, talk about things, express ourselves in certain ways. Um, without any, without any infringement on that, without any anyone else really having to say in it, um, it's just kind of a basic American Libertarian Party principle as to leave me alone, and let me do the things that I want to do, so long it doesn't affect someone else's livelihood. So, um, let's just kind of jump into it. Episode zero zero three, um, freedom. What is freedom? Um, in my own words, freedom is defined. Um, in my own interpretation has the ability to openly express thought and opinion without prejudice while also having the ability to move freely without obstruction or restraint. So it's to, to do as you will without necessarily asking anyone else for um, access to do those type of things without anyone coming and saying like, hey, you can do, you can do this or you can't do this or anyone just coming with any type of limitations, limiting you to do those things. Um, for all human history, humans have migrated and moved from one location to another for numerous reasons. Humans also express themselves by using sound and body language to engage in dialogue. Verbal communication is the primary means as us human beings have communicated. Um, it is evident throughout history how humans um, through some of these migration and communication tools have have these communication infringement have been infringed upon by external factors unrelated to the individual's decision-making process. What I mean is that through these me necessary means of communication and movement, there has been times where someone has intervened to prevent you from doing those type of things. These could be an individual, a group of people, or most commonly, a system of government. People from positions of authority, both illegitimate and legitimate, have exercised their power and authority to infringe on people's rights. By illegitimate and legitimate, I what I'm trying to define as a position of authority that's both recognized and essentially not recognized. We have a system of governing in the United States where we vote certain people in the office, that would be a legitimate process as someone is getting to a position of authority. An illegitimate process would someone that just kind of comes in and says, hey, I'm, I'm in charge now. And just by claiming it or by some divine right or whatever their, their basis of claiming this power to exercise authority over you, that would be illegitimate. Governments and monarchies have always used rule of law to enforce a way of life on its population of people. This is absolutely true. Governments governments are a 
creation of what the people have come together and agreed upon as to be absolutely necessary. It's a social experiment, but however, governments, governments are the number one violators of personal freedoms and liberty. It's arguably the, the, the biggest debate regarding this finding is the right of balance within the society of what is acceptable and what is not when it comes to enforcing law. It is something that's always being confronted and always being debated. The greatest experiment in human history, i.e. the United States of America, and its constitution. The constitution of the United States was founded in 1789, or excuse me, ratified in 1789 after a series of years of debate. With ratification, along came 10 amendments to the United States Constitution. It's known as the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is a series of amendments the framers wanted to incorporate into the Constitution to guarantee personal freedoms and rights, while also, at the same time, limiting the government's power and how the power is not specifically granted by the Constitution are reserved to the states or the people. We will have an in-depth episode later on going through all 27 amendments of the Constitution. All of them are definitely unique in their own way. Um, although, <laughs> there's probably a couple I would argue that I probably should get rid of. However, um, the amendment process is a very interesting process. It's a very elaborate, painstaking process to go through. Um, but nonetheless, it's, um, it's, a, it's a conversation that needs to be had. I guarantee you there's a lot of people that don't even know the first 10 what they are exactly, why they are unique, and where, where their foundings come from, why why every amendment comes, has a birthplace as to why they came about and as to why they are so important that they need to be embedded into the Constitution, especially the first 10. These are our Bill of Rights to guarantee our basic human, our rights and our liberties. The United States of America is often... T- referred as the greatest experiment in human history due to our system of government, how it's broken down, its makeup, with a checks and balances system, the constitutional amendment process that is difficult, that guarantees specific rights, highlighting limitations on government in a constitutional republic format that carries out democratically held elections. The United States and its system of government has provided a fundamental influence on the rest of the world by highlighting basic human rights and in cases, if those rights are not being met and are being infringed upon, that is the will of the people to make those changes in order to guarantee those rights. It's also evident and it's too important to highlight in United States history the mistreatment of several groups of people, most notably black people, Native American people. Um, there were significant periods of time that the United States government has definitely treated certain groups of people to a lesser degree. And then then those will have to be broken down. We'll go into that in the later episodes too. But this is not to, to discredit that in any way. I believe the United States is the beacon of freedom and hope for the rest of the world. 
that all men are created equal. I mean, these are within our founding documents. It's been various times throughout history where people have said like, hey, we're not living up to these standards and we need to make these changes to abide by that. And we had these basic rights and liberties guaranteeing the Constitution and our Bill of Rights. And we made a lot of those changes and that's what part of these amendments, the amendment processes have taken place. And we've made those changes for the better and for the improvement of society is very important the bill of rights and the amendment process is such a powerful tool to protect liberty while living in government this is absolutely true this is an opinion of mine but i believe this is absolutely necessary as what we've seen going on in various places around the world with covid and the lockdowns and this is just kind of this world authoritarian thing that's taken place and We've seen a lot of aspects of it taking place here with the with the lockdowns, OSHA mandates, um, but we have a judicial system in this country where things can be challenged and things take time, things go through the courts, and when things go through the courts and goes through this appellation process, and we can kind of see whether things are right or unjust, and whether they need to go to a higher court, and that's why we have a Supreme Court and things can go to the Supreme Court. Um, where am I going with all this necessarily? The point in which I'm trying to point out is my thought process on human psychology and how it can be associated with liberty, freedom, and pol without having politics as any part of it. Going back to earlier is what I described. Human beings. Human beings enjoy doing what they like to do. We have conversations. We go to places. We do certain things in our lives to our satisfaction. Like an animal that is trapped in a cage, the animal does what is necessary to get out. We are animals too. Even though we are a civilized, civilized species, we do have natural animal instincts. But just even beyond that, we have this basic trait, just like animals in the animal kingdom, to free to roam freely in the wild. And when we are being pushed into a corner or thrown into a cage, and it's our natural tendency to question it and fight back. And I just think it's, it's an interesting concept, even in places around the world where you have extreme authoritarianism. Um, you have people being, you have people all the time in China, for example. People, there, there's people that are being interrogated by police and they're thrown in jail for violating CCP rules. And for what we would see and argue as just exercising their basic human liberties. The biggest violators of human rights and liberties are governments. How does this occur exactly? Power and corruption. You get power, you, get power, you attain power. It's easily to be corrupted. And how is it influenced? Can be influenced by a lot of different things. There's certain desires with a certain end goal in mind, money. I think um, we have a lot of just bad practices taking place within our own former government, specifically within Congress today. I think a lot of that is monetary. It has to do with a monetary gain. Um, that's very dangerous for, for any society, really. 
um for certain desires it can be anyone any group any individual with a specific mindset on doing certain things that ultimately overlaps on libertarian principles we often take granted almost everything in life but we all take we take for granted many things in which those things have been limited when those things have been limited we then often realize this and think oh shit and when we cannot access it then we really strive for it and we have the hunger for it liberty is uh with liberty in a free society comes with great responsibility um there are numerous cases in the world where people have risen up at defiance of their own systems of government or even in cases where something that was occurring that ultimately violated basic human rights and those people stood up to this and to call out these atrocities a lot of things happen around the world in which people don't know of china in china iran and africa we did a previous episode on china um how the ccp functions and the way it treats people especially the way it treats the Uyghur muslims um and i'm not necessarily when people stand up in defiance i'm not talking necessarily about mob rule because mob rule doesn't really get you anywhere unless your livelihood and your way of life is being threatened so severely to a point where mob rule or quote-unquote picking up arms is absolutely necessary to preserve your freedom in your lives but civil disobedience does goes a long way and i think the united states has a huge tradition of civil disobedience as guaranteed in the first amendment with the freedom of speech and freedom assembly and civil disobedience it garners a lot of attention it gets a lot of people in on your peaceful cause and for peaceful demand and resolution for change in many instances in history where in the united states history where this has occurred um, the places around the world where civil disobedience has turned into armed conflict or uprisings, I feel like is comes from places where their rights and freedoms are not guaranteed as our rights and freedoms are guaranteed in the United States Constitution. And a lot of times those uprisings become uprisings because they are met with force generally by those in power the government to suppress this these movements and then as in retaliation is cause and effect then those uprisings become more physically violent my philosophy on liberty my take on liberty and how it is associated with humans is that everyone wants to be free the moment we realize that we are not free we strive for that hunger to fight for freedom and to take back what is ours and that ability to do what we want and say what we want once we lose it either you lose it you use it or you lose it and once we do lose it then it's oh shit and what do you do and in a lot of cases just talking from my own perspective here in the United States, we see a lot of 
rights and liberties just with just in the, the Bill of Rights and our Constitution. Um, things being taken away in small incremental steps. Because in order to do it covertly and smart in a smart way by the oppressor, by this system of government, um, they can't take it all at once. Otherwise, you you see this and it's totally blunt in your face. When you take it incrementally, small steps at a time, then you get to a point where you're standing on the ledge and you didn't realize, unless you've been paying attention, but for the most part, most people won't realize until you're there. Um, it's, it's hard to imagine what that might be like here in the United States. However, it is clear throughout United States history, there has obviously several instances of mistreatment of certain groups of people, women, black people, Native Americans, with institutional racism and bigotry. Um, but even times of systemic racism and bigotry and just downright unequal treatment of people in certain groups of certain groups. Um, despite what the constitution despite all of that, the constitution does outline a f system of government that has to be fair and equal treatment of all people. And it's every time where we looked at the Constitution and this Bill of Rights as this this beacon, as this example as to why we are not living in this way and we need to make these changes to abide by that. And I think it's a very powerful tool because this is a system of government, a documentation that guarantees these things and limits these other things limiting the government. People throughout American history have always stood up in defiance against violation of human rights and unequal treatment. United States Constitution, our Bill of Rights, it is the referencing point on how we can become better by living to the standard that, quote, all men are created equal. The Bill of Rights does guarantee these things, and we just have to uphold it. And when we see these things in our in our society in our way of life as being unfair inadequate and unjust then we have every right to, to to make these changes people have always stood up and demanded the changes that are guaranteed in our constitution and we have made these changes and i think we've we progress so far as society i think the united states is probably the most progressive society and form of government just based on what is outlined in our constitution and the things that people have stood up and argued for and argued against and just ultimately for the better there's no other document that exists anywhere else in the world that's why our government is so remarkable there's some that come close but not there's no other system of government that is that necessarily mimics the current form of government that we have. During the civil rights era, massive crowds of people lined up behind Dr. Martin Luther King. They demanded for change, fair and equal treatment. While doing so, they waved American flags in protest and looked at that flag 
at our constitution as a referencing point as to why are we not following and abiding by this this document and this standard we need to make these changes in order to be living free and fair and that all men are created equal and i just think it's kind of an interesting and it's ironic and just just to note that today when people criticize the united states of america and point out its flaws and i think there's a lot of fucked up shit that has happened in the united states of america this fair maltreatment of people of targeting a specific group throughout history i think this conversation needs to be had and, and to paint that america is this this perfect example as this kind of this this perfect child we're not we've done a lot of bad things in history so as other people and other forms of government but like i think we are the most progressive despite probably what the progressive might say we are the most progressive society and i think we look back in history it really shows that and that's why history promoting culture is so important and maintaining this history and having these conversations and promoting truth but today in the united states when we when we see people criticize the united states and demanding for change we also see people burn the flag talk about the breakup of the united states of america um while also promoting communi communism and marxism and i think those are just very interesting unique points to bring up it's another conversation to be had elsewhere however i just think it's just very interesting compared to protests before and a lot of protests that we're seeing taking place today but freedom is contagious and when you begin to limit that freedom the people always refer to freedom you can coerce people to do what you want them by using fear and intimidation and retaliation you might be able to convince a small majority however that majority becomes or that minority excuse me will become the majority once they realize they have all the power and the will to do what is necessary the government is the majority and the people is or excuse me the government is a minority and the people is the majority and the people might need, might seem like the minority just by the sheer power of the government as it's flexing on the people it might that power might seem very overwhelming at that time and that's why the authoritarian regimes a lot of commun most communist regimes dictatorships they go through great lengths to limit the power of the people by speech by movement the right to self-defense and then you know in places definitely like china and north korea where they throw people in jail for saying certain things and doing certain things and you have a whole genial like a whole family structure living in the prison system or the concentration camp system in efforts to really eradicate a system of thought and once those people have the power and the necessity to freely express one another even in the most brutal authoritarian regimes like north korea those people have libertarian mindsets they just don't know it and once they do it's a very powerful tool authoritarian governments 
have always been a thing. However, not one authoritarian government regime has always lasted forever, nor will it, because eventually they will lose. They will slip and fall, and then the power of the people will take place. Um, whether there's a lot of instances where we've seen that take place and nothing really better has taken its place. Um, but it just shows you that authoritarian rule doesn't last and it's not sustainable. Re uh, evil regimes and empires do crumble. Those who are the oppressed begin to realize their strength is strengths. They will rely on each other in cooperation against their oppressor into a fight authoritarianism. Um, that's why authoritarianism is often paired with police and surveillance and the immediate um, suppression of the people by taking away their, their, their ability to defend themselves. When you take when you pair those two together and limit the ability to defend themselves by taking away their arms and their ability to produce arms, then you can exercise your will at great lengths. But for how long? And it's uh that's why within the Second Amendment it's very it's it's very important to a lot of people and has been part of really of our American culture throughout our history to lean on the Second Amendment as it's very evident to note that a lot of things have been taking place places around the world with the COVID and the lockdowns. Um it's just it's just the the limit, limiting a travel um covid passports we've seen I'm not saying that it's just, it's solely on the idea that those people are disarmed populations and when i say those people i'm talking about notably australia united kingdom and um canada um i'm not saying that nor will i am am i advocating that those people should take up arms and start doing crazy things however there's a reason why things like that it's so hard to have that authoritarianism take place here in the United States at least that heavy-handed authoritarianism it's because we got the rules and the laws and the judicial system and the courts and then obviously the Second Amendment it's very interesting to note all those type of things but nothing nothing exists in the world today that can solve all the problems that we face in society. The United States Constitution and our way of life is not the ultimate solution for all things. And that's why when we go and try and implement democracy around the world, there's just certain groups, uh, cultures and ideologies that just they just they just don't see democracy in the same manner that we do. However, like I just, our our former government is not the know-all, be-all solution. But it it is the greatest experiment in human history, and it's gone so far to where we are at to this day. And it's provided a lot. And that's why the amendment process, just everything about it, personally, believe that it works so long as being followed in the manner in which it is written. When you start 
doing a bunch of different things that sidesteps and tiptoes around the, the court system and the, the checks and balances. And then you get a lot of inaccuracies and just hiccups in the system in which that it paints this picture as if that gets an old document as some people want want to say this that's an old document it's definitely outdated it doesn't work anymore and my question to that is that what, what's a better system of government because i've had conversations i've had debates with people that go on to describe that we should start a new system of government literally talking about throwing away what we have now and I just think that's just, I think that's just really a lack of, they don't know, if they really understood the Constitution, and I'm not saying I'm the expert, there's definitely things I don't know, and there's definitely things I need to look at myself because I just don't have that in-depth knowledge. That's part of why I'm trying to have these conversations here. But if you go and read the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and why so many things these things were written and implemented, it's very powerful and it's very interesting and it kind of shows proof as to why these things why these things are important our basic rights and liberties there's no other government that guarantees these things but it is not it's an imperfect system it always has been it always will be but we can strive for perfection and to progress further as a society and I think we've done so much. And we've progressed so far. And it's just a short amount of time. But um, when circumstances take place, it is the duty of the people to call these things out. These problems that we may face and make these changes in regards to liberty. Because um, it's important that we highlight on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The United States Constitution, our Bill of Rights, is unique that it limits the government while also guaranteeing our basic human rights. Uh, when these things are not met, through the amendment process, we can make certain changes when necessary to guarantee our rights and liberties. That's um, why it's difficult to have authoritarian flourish. Um here in the United States is because there's a lot of leaps and bounds that has to be taking place. However, no, uh, no, if things are done correctly, what I mean correctly, like in a smart covert manner, you can impose your will when it comes to like gun control or just limiting on speech. A lot of things that we are currently faced with today, um, you don't do it upright and just take it all at once. Um, you do it in small incremental steps. That's why when it comes to the gun control argument, it's just one more gun, one more gun log, common sense gun log, this and that. And I argue it as backdoor gun control because it's just one more after another. And when you look at places like California as a state as a whole, New York City, Chicago, Every year they're putting something on the on the books. It's just another step forward and towards gun control. We're just limiting the freedom and right to exercise your Second Amendment right. 
but it's never done all at once. And I'm not saying there's people plotting in a room somewhere. How can we get rid of all the guns in the world to exercise our rights? Not to say that it's never have. That's definitely happened in the past. And then maybe there are people not saying that there's people with this mindset. There's people, very liberal people, far left of the spectrum, that really don't like guns and they don't think people should have that right or not to say they shouldn't have that right it should very it should be severely limited these criteria a lot of these criteria need to be in place for you to exercise this second amendment right and i think it's wrong but when does it stop though because it's it's always something every year um we'll see where things go with governor um gavin newsom and his uh re retaliation against the texas abortion law um, that's going to be a very interesting thing. Um, despite any authoritarian actions that we have witnessed in the past 24 months, we do have a judicial system and things do take time to go to take place to be challenged in our core systems. Um, that's why it's very important that we, that we, the things that we are witnessing in China and Australia and Europe with COVID restrictions, edicts taking place. We have to see huge backlash and challenges being met, maybe less in China. However, these challenges being met, again, due to, at least here for the United States, our system of government that we currently have, that we can, we can argue back, we can protest, and we can say no, and we can challenge these things, and these things can go through the court system. Um, and then we have a Congress. Like, we have so many things and it's not perfect and things take time um it's important we do be that we do not become complacent that we must always be situationally aware of our surroundings and pay attention to ensure the federal government does not practice any more overreach at least not any more than we are currently have experienced the last 24 months specifically the last 24 months the last several decades but the last 24 months has been very interesting and the federal government and their role need to take in place. And the, the, the dangerous role that they ta have taken on. And not much that I've seen, only in certain areas, not much backlash that has been taking place. But these things do not happen so long as the people don't, if they don't question it, these things will take place these things will not happen if we fight back in a sense that we challenge the federal government by questioning these things and we tell our elected officials that we do not like these certain things and we don't vote we don't fucking vote these people back in these things reoccur the things that we don't like will reoccur if we keep allowing these people to stay in office and we got to hold these people accountable. With liberty comes with huge responsibility, just like I said. That's what comes with situational awareness and complacency, which is very dangerous. They teach us in the military, complacency kills, complacency kills, and must always maintain situational awareness. And politics kind of seems like a taboo subject, at least from my experience, because a lot of people, they just don't like to hear about it. They don't like to engage in it. It's a headache, and it's... 
it's a and it's annoying and it's it's i just i the way i pay attention on a daily basis it's 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 a headache and it's aggravating and drains you it really does but it's more dangerous not to pay attention than it is to even have a basic just basic knowledge of what's going on at least at the local level at your state local level level a lot of people will question things and they don't they, they don't know about it and that's the wrong answer when liberators here's responsibility this is often done by um in our history good men and women going off and fighting in battle to preserve our rights and defending our borders Major port, a major portion of this responsibility is embedded into our culture, the history we teach to the younger generation. And as they get older, as they pass it on to the next generation, um, is important. The need for conversation, long formatted discussions is absolutely necessary to take place. Um, podcasting is huge. In the absence of the mainstream media, which has lost a lot of his credibility, not in the absence of mainstream media, but the absence of his credibility. Um, podcasting has gone a long way. There's a lot of notable characters out there that have taken to podcasting into long formatted discussions. Tim Pool, Joe Rogan, um, the American Party podcast, um, dudes talking freedom. There's a lot of people out there, and obviously me and Oliver here trying to just have these conversations about things. And I don't. It's probably while we're on the subject, it's probably good discussion as to like what this podcast is about and what, what we're trying to go from here on out. And we are not the arbiter in this sole source of information. We don't have all the facts, and there's probably inaccuracies in this. There's things that I said that might be wrong here. Even though this is this is mainly an opinion piece as to what I think on liberty and freedom and how it coincides with sociology and psychology. Um, but the, the reason why we're doing it is as to so many podcasting platforms, why they're doing what they're doing is to have these conversations and to discuss topics of issue, to discuss news that isn't CNN and Fox News, which is so based in, in their, their, their base, I guess. CNN is left. Fox News is right. And for the most part, mainstream media is pretty, pretty far left. They have, the far left is pretty much has domi dominated the mainstream media. And then you have Fox News, which is it's um, it's uh, what's what's the word? But it's it's balance, I guess. But it's not really balanced at all. But Fox News in itself, it is very conservative. It is very far right. However, and you when you even if you are listening to these formats and these platforms, you got to check your own or biases. And filter out when you notice these biases biases in the system as I don't get a lot of my media or my news from mainstream sources I do read some mainstream sources but I can look at certain things from an unbiased perspective and be and think like this is I can I can filter it out I can see where the I can see where Fox News is going 
the Daily Wire, CNN. I can see what it is they're trying to paint in these clickbait headlining formats that garner attention. Then obviously there's a monetary value in it because when you, when you click when you click on that that article on Facebook, they get money. They get the traction there and they see that and that's what they're trying to garner to. And that's wrong and should not be like that. But the podcasting format is very crucial to have these conversations about certain things. Instead of CNN headlining January 6th, January 6th, corruption and Donald Trump, you can sit down and have a conversation about what happened that day, what went wrong in terms of the chaos that took place, the fucking police allowing people in, and just just this, all this weird stuff that really did take place that day. And it was a fucking mob. Was it this 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 coup attempt? No, definitely I don't think so. However, that's why the conversation needs to be had as to the circumstance of events that took place that day. Who was there? What were the internal and external forces that 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 contributed to what happened? And just just have that conversation instead of reading a headline. Um, these pod these podcasts. That's what we're trying to do is just to have these conversations about certain things. When it's talking about COVID, when it's talking about geopolitics with Russia, with China, we are trying to bring out situational awareness in a lot in many things. There's so much to have a conversation about. That's why as we are in this adolescent stage of this format, there's so much that comes on my mind on a daily basis to have a conversation about. And there's 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 no way to tackle it all. But there's there's few things I do want to highlight on and to approach um, to bring about situational awareness and things. And I do, I would not have a conversation without coming with some data and facts. And to post those those links in which the data that I have referenced. So that you as the individual, our viewers, whoever they are, I don't think we have one. You know who you are. Thank you. But in uh, where we're at in the podcast world right now, uh, we have we've got a couple of people view our stuff, and it's very interesting to see it from this from that perspective. And it's um, hopefully as we get better with the technology, and the recording, the audio, that we can get people to listen to us and be more attracted to it by the better quality. And we're just two dudes having a conversation about just about things, but we want to promote information and situational awareness and break things down, talk philosophy. Talk about anything that we want, uh, whatever it is. It could be about space. It could be about technology. I mean, th there's just so many things to bring that situational awareness about. It's just so important to just just talk about things. And it's a lost art, especially as we as we progress into technology, as technology becomes so apparent in our way of life. The whole technology thing and social media and Facebook and just texting and it's just it's a weird thing for humans because it's it's a new thing and we're not used to it and biologically it's not how we are known to communicate in that way. It's a very weird process, but having conversations there's nothing new. It's just send down you have a conversation, then record record it, then put it out there and just let people listen to it. And, that, and that's why eventually I would like to evolve to have more people on 
to have debates, to talk about certain hot-butted political issues here in the United States because that's our ultimate goal. This, I mean, this, this podcast is going to be mostly centralized around politics and current events and geopolitics and world news. But we might have an episode that talks solely about rocks and space. I mean, just whatever the hell we want to fucking talk about. But I do want to focus on American politics, geopolitics, and calling out the bullshit that's going on in our federal government at Capitol Hill with our own congressional delegates. Because there is so much that is taking place that people don't know and that is absolutely dangerous. And then hopefully by doing this, we can put the word out, out there. And then that's why whenever I we have these conversations, Oliver and I, and talk about things, and when I do research on things and reference certain things with data and articles, as I, I did with our first couple episodes, we I was reading verbatim from articles. Um, I want to post these things because I want people to see the information in which I am trying to reference because I want to have this full disclosure as to where I'm getting information from because I'm coming from an, un, un, I believe, from an unbiased perspective. Um, because I don't, I don't lean politically any way by any means. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm Democrat or Republican. I'm left or right. More moderate. I think it might be fair to say I am center-right. And for a long time, I kind of thought I was more conservative, if anything. But even like with the conservative news, news outlets out there, like the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro show, and all of their conservative, Michael Knowles, like there's a lot of, like I agree with him on a lot of different things, sure, but then I disagree with him on a lot of different things. And it's, it's the same thing with, the, you know, certain Democrats and the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Like there's things, there's things and there's people that are tied to Demo- Democratic Party, Libertarian Party, and the Republican Party that I agree and disagree with. You can't sit down and just toe the party line and say, like, I, I agree with all these different things in a blanket of format. That's just not how it is. And that's where the two-party system is absolutely, absolutely dangerous. And then my argument this is kind of more of the capitalist capitalism argument is competition. The competition is the biggest thing out there that's going to to put the big tech governments in its place, the tech censorship, and then the two-party system in its place too. And the Libertarian Party is the next up-and-coming party, I think. Um, Although I wouldn't necessarily agree solely on the Libertarian Party as the party as a whole and all their principles. However, the Mises Caucus and Dave Smith leading the front on that. At least I think he's in the front on that. I listen to his podcast a lot. Um, they're, 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 the Mises Caucus, they're doing great things. And I like Dave Smith. And, I, and hopefully I would like to see a third party intervention and more. More than just a third party, we need to have more points of view and different perspectives. We need that checks and balances similar to, as to what we have in our current form of government into our party system, as the party system has just lost its way. Into conclusion, as I'm trying to wrap this up here, because I think a 50 to 60 minutes segment is pretty decent as for a conversation to talk about a certain 
particular issue. Get your point across. Information. Call it a day. Um, as we get better with this, and you know, we got two people, myself and Oliver. We got two people living two different lives, and me being the military, and Oliver being a family man with three kids and a fourth one coming. Congratulations to him. It is. It's it's a juggle. We're doing these conversations at the end of the evening. He's doing it while he's on the phone. I happen to be at home, and you know, and that's where I'm able to be on a computer, connected to the internet with the podcast, and be able to do the edits from my end. He's calling in, and we're trying. We're making this a thing, but um, this is the way forward with the podcast. And eventually, we would like to graduate into the varsity league, like Joe Rogan, and then have the two to three hour conversation. And it's difficult. We're trying different things. Um, the anchor format is very interesting. It's a very unique tool. We're not sponsored by anyone. Um, but the anchor format, it's a very cool tool because it put us on Spotify and it's very interesting. It's funny. I, I, I just laugh at it and it's cringy. Our, we're getting better with our podcast. Um, we're getting better with it. Hopefully with the audio as we get more equipment, it's not going to be perfect ever, but hopefully we get better and we get, we, we structure this so better to a point where we get, we get viewership and we get a fan base and we get people that want to come to us for information and to listen to, to, to have these conversations. So, um, that's just pretty much it. Um, that's, this is our podcast. I'd like to see it go on to bigger and better things. We'll see where it goes. Um, we're getting there. We'll get there. And we have, we have a lot more conversations to be had. Um, just like I said, to see where things go. But that's just to kind of conclude on to the main point of the subject. That's to liberty, freedom, and how contagious is it? And I think it absolutely is. I think everyone has basic libertarian freedom traits within their within themselves. Everyone wants to do their own thing. And whenever something occurs that limits these things then you're like what the fuck why 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 is this like this is stupid or maybe it might be legitimate but there's certain there's 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 there has to be reason there has to be criteria in which this takes place where this is absolutely necessary because of x y and z but and then who comes who comes from that position of authority to implement those type of rules so that's it for this episode this is a solo episode hopefully Oliver and i will get on and uh, conversation again tonight talking about whatever the fuck we want to talk about um, thank you to our one viewer out there thank you to everyone to our future viewers out there we hope to see this thing expand and get a lot better uh, we're gonna hit we're gonna hit at this every day we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push it Joe Rogan's first episode was not the greatest and look where he's at right now um, yeah so that's it that's just my thoughts that's it that this that's all this episode was just my thoughts on libertarian li- liberty and the human desire for freedom. My name is Stan. This is episode zero two three out.